Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Beautiful people, this is Nube Brown, your host here at Prison Focus Radio here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. I am so excited to be here this morning. Today is the first day of the rest of the month that we are going to be celebrating, commemorating, uplifting, shining the light on these beautiful brothers of the California, historic California hunger strikes. Um, Those that organized and educated and agitated around um, getting themselves released from the torture of decades of solitary confinement. Three hunger strikes, the first culminating in July of 2011, of which we are celebrating the 10th anniversary. And then because CDC small r would not meet their demands, they uh, organized a second hunger strike. Uh, And then a third, which 
culminated in 30,000 people participating in this hunger strike, um, launching a, uh, a class action lawsuit against uh, the governor, against the state, uh, which, with Ashker V. Brown, and they won their release into general population. The problem is here, people, most people do not know about these incredible in, principal thinkers, these incredible organizers for humanity, for uplifting their humanity. Most people do not know that after all that they accomplished, they continue to be retaliated against. Most of them have not been released back to their families, back to us, back to their communities. They also created the, what I believe is the most important document of the last 50, 60 years, the agreement to end hostilities. Only one of those signers to that document is out. Only one. There are four representatives of the Pelican Bay Short Corridor and 16 uh, representatives of the body that created this document and organized these hunger strikes. Only one has come home. One has died. And those that are still in there are elders. Mind you, they have suffered decades of solitary confinement. They have continually be abu been abused and retaliated against by and denied their freedom with multiple parole denials, long past their original dates for release. We want them home. We are going to be celebrating them and uplift, um, uplifting them all throughout the month of July and forward. Also look for um, this, this commemoration of this 10th anniversary in the July issue of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper. So from here on out of this month of July, you will be hearing from our elders that are behind the walls, those that have been uh, that have been released and are out he uh, that are with us now that were part of the hunger strikes uh, whose names you do not know but we are going to be hearing from them all throughout this month they will not be forgotten as a matter of fact it is on their shoulders it is on their ideas that we are going to stand if we are going to be successful in this movement forward to once and for all end solitary confinement and abolish prisons and the prison industrial complex. All right, I'm going to go ahead and start with a letter, a short letter from Mutawale Joka Kambon. You're going to be hearing a lot of different voices. Some of you that have been in this struggle for a long time uh, will recognize some of them, you will not. Those of you that are new, um, I don't expect that you will, but all of you that you're going to hear uh, throughout this month is going to be from them, so I'm hoping not to uh, speak too much. So here is the first letter from Mutawali Joka Kambon. July 1st, 2021. Greetings and salutations to all. My name is Mutawali Joka Kambon Cooperwood. I am a prisoner of the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, CDCR. I've been incarcerated for a period of 30 years, with the first 22 years held inside solitary confinement at both Corcoran and Pelican Bay State Prison. Today, July 1st, 2021, marks the 10th anniversary of our collective and historical California prisoner hunger strike, which we launched in response to having been put in solitary confinement units for decades based on allegations of gang affiliation or political organizing. On the onset of our 10th anniversary, allow me a moment to acknowledge the memories and courage of our esteemed fallen comrades. 
It is through their exemplary shining examples that we forge on into the intrepid spirit of Can't Stop, Won't Stop, Freedom Bound. I would like to also extend my undying love to all the progressive folks inside and outside that contributed in various degrees, and of course, the many groups and organizations whom without their support, knowledge, information, and directions weren't from these folks, nothing would have been possible. As we advance beyond the threshold of the 10th anniversary, know that the breakthrough in our struggle for unity between the race groups, we continue to move forward here in New Folsom. Exclamation point. Respecting each other's voices, views, feelings, and thoughts, maintaining the blueprint of the agreement to end hostilities. In closing, we shall recognize our monumental victories and goal of ending solitary confinement in California and across the country, assuring our collective imperative is freedom for all. We can't stop. We won't stop. Mutawali Joka Cambon, Cooperwood. And you can write to him at CSP Sacramento. His number is C46411. He is uh, C4-123. P.O. Box 29006, Represa, California, 95671-006. Next, we're going to hear from Michael DeRoe, who we know as Za. He is our friend. He is our loved one. And he is now 67 years old. He has been caged for, I think now it's 33 years he spent 30 years in solitary confinement and he is being abused with a life without parole sentence for a crime that he did not commit. That equals death in prison. And yes, he did contract COVID-19 and obviously, thankfully, he survived we're going to be hearing from Za a lot. Um, gratefully, I get to speak with him um, on a fairly regular basis. But this is one, this is an excerpt of um, an over hour long conversation that we had. Um, so here we go. We're now going to hear from Za. You know, there is this commemoration, this 10 year commemoration. Did you even, did you know, did you realize? I was talking with Mimo uh, Mimo and he's like, wow, I haven't realized that 10 years have gone by since that first hunger strike. Well, you don't really think about it until like well, 2011, um, and you really don't think about the year 2011 unless you have the conversation with somebody about something, and something might come up. And it's typically for me, it's anything that's related to, like, just just like freedom, mm. um, liberation. Like, I always tend to go back to, like, the hunger strike. And it's just in that moment right there, I'll think, oh, wow, it's been, what, about, about 10 years now. You know, 2011 was the first one. So it's kind of like under that kind of circumstance that I'll actually go back. And remember it um, when I'm writing sometimes, you know, but it's had got to be something in, in, in that context right there. Um, the time just tends to go past so quickly now. It seems like all time go past real fast now. And so I didn't realize it until I think um, I'm talking to Sharon, and she had reminded me um, of uh, the 10-year anniversary coming up. Wow. Yes, and, you know, so, and, and of course you participated in all three, right? Yes. And, yeah, um, yeah and, um, and then you were one of the, you know, I mean, I know that the 30,000 people ended up participating in the last yes. strike in 2013, yes. but there were really just a small core group of you that went to that 59 days and actually were just willing to, to die for yeah. the struggle, basically. Uh-huh. You were one of those. Yes, yes. I <sighs> you had to be in it for the long haul. Um, uh, it was my motivation. Um, uh, you and I have talked um, before in the past, and um, I don't want to say it was 
it was easy to be that committed. Now, it's never that easy. You know, you don't realize how difficult it is until you actually are in the, involved in a hunger strike. Mm -hmm. um, how difficult um, um, it can be going from um, not just one day to the next without eating. Um, and at, at some point, even drinking fluids. But from one minute to the next, how difficult it could be to maintain it. But for me, the, 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 the motivation really was I had been interested or enthusiastic about eventually doing something um, um, that might give us a chance or give people a chance to um, not just um, be released from solitary, but to ensure that um, the same things that had happened to us all the time, like whatever it was that we could do to prevent it from happening again. And so it was because I had just, I was looking forward to like fighting back. So other than 602 appeals and petitions um, to the courts and stuff, I was really enthusiastic about just fighting back. So that was my motivation right there. And when I say um, it, was, it was easy, that is the commitment that you need to have in order to engage and stay involved, then that was my motivation there. And because I was just really enthusiastic about, I need to fight back, um, being committed to it, and, you know, just being in it for the long haul, it was a little bit easier for me to, to maintain that commitment. Yeah, that was very interesting to hear you I mean, that's an amazing commitment uh, that, uh, again, that's what we want to be celebrating and commemorating, that commitment, because you all had that commitment. You all put that, you all organized that. That was on your terms under the worst circumstances. I mean, you all had already been subjected to the torture of decades of solitary right. confinement. And exactly. then you came up with this. Your lives had already been forcefully put on the line, right. but now you had chosen to put your lives on the line for the cause, for the cause of that, that, liberation. That was it. That was it right there. And that has been buried. Absolutely up. right. You know, that's the thing. Absolutely like right. this state, yeah. these state actors, this California Department of Corrections small R rehabilitation, which didn't even have the R on the, at the exit when you guys were going through the torture of solitary. Once call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Yeah. There was a, the narrative that was being put out while you guys were being tortured was you're the worst of the worst. Right, that's the true. worst of the worst. That's true. And yet, out of all that, all of that you had been through, you all were able to come together yeah. and put your lives on the line for your collective liberation, which really is of service to the people on the, on the inside, but also your family members on the outside. And that's what needs right, to be true. remembered. Yeah. I agree with that right there. And, but I have to say that without you all's support, and without you all's willingness and, and ability um, to be able to help with the organization from inside to outside, globally, um, the form that was pro provided for us, after going so long without having the form at all, the form that was provided with, for us to be able to have our voices heard, you all were responsible for that. And, like, that form was the single greatest, you know, uh, force that we could have available to us uh, because it, it allowed us to be able to tell our stories. Not just to tell our stories, um, but for feedback. Um, it allowed us to ask, the stories allowed a, a human face to be put to um, the narrative that was out there. And all of those things are the, are, are the reasons why I believe that uh, out there on the streets, there's so many people that, that supported us and supported the effort um, that was being made. To, you know, after everybody got over the shock, I think that um, something like this could be happening um, within the United States. Um, with all of the information that we was allowed to 
put out there, not just the information that we was allowed to put out there, but also the information that you all put out there. Um, the revolutionary thinkers, the critical thinkers out there, the, 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 all of those things were what was responsible for completely changing that narrative. And so for sure, like we just as appreciative of um, you all's effort, um, that commitment that you all made to see that through to its um, logical conclusion, like it's just as appreciated as anything that um, I could have possibly did or people could have possibly did on the inside. It's just as important and for sure just as appreciated. All right, one thing that I want to mention here is that Zaribu, Za, also a slave name, Michael Durow, this man who represents many of these hunger, many of the hunger strikers, were call, is called the worst of the worst. That's what has been sold to the public about uh, the justification for holding men who were intelligent enough, political enough, um, uh, to be a threat, apparently, to the the system of of white supremacy and this prison industrial complex. I don't know if you hear it, but he is definitely the best of the best. So part of what we are doing in this commemoration of this tenth anniversary is we're creating a pathway for continued education and a shaping, a reshaping of the narrative about who these men are, uh, what they were actually doing inside, and how CDCR and these prison uh, guard gangs were retaliating against them. So I'm going to read now a letter uh, that, a uh, fairly recent letter, actually, from uh, from Za that came... Uh, to California Prison Focus. Dear Prison Focus, strength and solidarity to you. I am writing because I received the latest edition of the Prison Focus, and I saw that my name was included in the section that called for the release of political prisoners. I needed to write and say thank you. It is an honor. Thank you also for your support. There was a question posed by George Jackson years ago. Why is it that California prisons produce so many bunchy carters? Mutope Duguma, in 2011, answered that question, I believe, profoundly. Ask yourselves why it is that so many new Africans have a strong political line, just happen to be locked up in solitary confinement units. We know they are not terrorists, we know they are not gang members, and we know that they are not criminals. California, in spite of its reputation for being liberal, locks up more people and for outrageous amounts of time than anywhere else. California is home to one of the most racist and inhumane criminal justice systems on the planet. Communities of color, underdeveloped communities, have been under assault for centuries. Incarceration, also known as enslavement, is just a natural consequence of the inhumanity that our communities are subjected to and continue to be subjected to. Many of us who come to prison, or who came to prison during the 1970s, were politically conscious even then, because we were influenced by the movement that existed at that time. But we were not necessarily politically mature. Even then, many of us were housed in solitary prisons, particularly solitary confinement, is a place in which you do a lot of self-reflecting. The education process begins almost immediately for those of us who were fortunate enough to meet the men, the soldiers, who assumed responsibility for black humanity. We read and studied for the purpose of understanding our reality, past and present. I was first paroled from the prisons in 1983, and in spite of what I thought I knew, I was still politically immature, and as a result, I could not put into practice the revolutionary teachings that I had learned. Prison is not conducive to the maturation process. It never has been. You come to prison as a child, and when you leave, if you leave, it is possible to leave as a 40 to 50-year-old child. In terms of what you do and don't know, there is no system in place in prison that makes it possible to develop in the kind of even 
kind of even manner in which you outgrow the mentality that brought you to prison. We are intentionally separated by hundreds of miles, barbed wire and concrete from our families and loved ones. Nothing is being done to prepare us for the technological changes that have been made. We are still given $200 and released into a world that we have been isolated from for decades. Psychologically, we are, not, we are just not prepared. Many of us are lacking in the maturity that is required to make sense of the world in which we are being released. That must start before we are released. In the process of doing the kind of self-reflecting that takes place, Finding out about and working to fix you almost also means that you learn about the reason for your oppression and the oppression of others. For those of us who learn, understand, and accept these truths, you develop the political maturity that makes it possible for you to make a conscious decision as to whether or not you want to embrace revolutionary principles and ideology. The decision is not as difficult as some might think. No one wants to live under the constant non-stop assault on their humanity as we are and have been. The decision that you make, that we have made, is to contribute to doing something about it. That just makes sense. When black people were leaving the South during the 1900s, they were not leaving simply to look for better lives. They were fleeing the South from political, economic, social, and educational oppression. Between 1910 and 1975, this period has been called the Great Migration. Some six million black people fled the South. Between 1880 and 1950, one African was lynched every week. You learn as you sit and study that these inhumanities of yesterday and those that we continue to experience are all part of the same story. People are made to feel unwelcomed in this country every single moment of each day. The humanity of women has been under assault for the past several centuries, and it continues to be. Young people are made to feel, less, feel worthless daily. Mass incarceration has robbed communities of color, particularly black and Hispanic, of their most valuable resources, people. We see the shameful slaughter of people within the LGBTQ community and laws being implemented to exclude them from life. The modern day lynching of black and Mexican men and males, men, males, almost daily. We actually witnessed how Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini came to power in the form of Donald Trump. The assaults on the humanity of people who are Asian, this is exactly what fascism looks like. Tulsa and Rosewood, today the displacement, destruction of entire communities called gentrification. How can we not want to contribute to changing the hate that has strangled us since the birth of this country? You fight back because it is simply the right thing to do. Freedom will be won by the bunchy carters of the world. Please say hello to Penny Shoner for me. She was a dear friend during my time in solitary. Again, thank you for your support inspiration, leadership, and courage. It is, and you are, most appreciated. Love and strength, Zah. All right, if you are just joining us, you are listening to Prison Focus Radio. I'm your host here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. We were just listening to a, a part of a conversation I was having with Michael Doro, also known as Za, and then I read a letter of his. And we first started with uh, Mutawale Joka Kambon. We are uh, the fir- in the first day of celebrating and commemorating the 10th anniversary of the California hunger strikes, the Ashkerby, uh Brown settlement, the agreement to end hostilities, and uh, the victory that came of all of that uh, to end indefinite solitary confinement, and the heroes, the men who organized and led the first, second, and third hunger strikes that culminated in 30,000 people participating by the third strike, again, to end the torture of decades of solitary confinement. We are going to take a quick musical break, and we will come back with more of the heroes and our loved ones from this historic California hunger strike. Nah, they don't really know about Black Wall Street. They ain't teach us about the truth in school. They kept us all asleep. It's a whole lot of secrets buried under the concrete. Make America great again. When was it great? Remind me. Nah, they don't really know about Black Wall Street. But black businesses were steady growing like a small tree. Bus lines, hotels, and planes. We had all three. They make it seem like we contributed nothing at all, G. Nah, they don't really know about Black Wall Street. They ain't teach us about the truth in school. 
you did nothing at all, G. Simon Gary was a businessman with all the game on the hotel to Tulsa Transit and the charter plane. Provided transportation when you needed to avoid the rain. Believed an opportunity, he knew that there was more to gain. See Andrew Jackson if you ever got shot. And it's ironic in the massacre, he died from getting shot. One of the top black surgeons, believe it or not. A true leader and eventually was achieving a lot. And then you had the William family, they the ones that own the dream builder. Provided you a quick escape so you could dream bigger. It started out as a mechanics garage. Couldn't have known it would burn down when the panic arrived. Charlie Wilson had the vision where the darkness could shine. The gap band stood for Greenwood, Archer, and Pine. They had that number one hit, that bitch and dropping the bomb. Gotta read in between the lines cause it was truth in that rhyme. Nah, they don't really know about Black Ball Street. They ain't teach us about the truth in school. They kept us all asleep. It's a whole lot of secrets buried under the concrete. Make America great again. When was it great? Remind me. Nah, they don't really know about Black Ball Street. But black businesses were steady growing like a tall tree. Bus lines, hotels, and planes. We had all three. They made it seem like we contributed nothing at all, G. Nah, they don't really know about Black Ball Street. They ain't teach us about the truth in school. They kept us all asleep. It's a whole lot of secrets buried under the concrete. prison focus archives um, in their winter 2011 uh, issue, which you can find by going to prisons.org and looking under their newsletters tab. Uh, just to give you an idea, and, and we'll continue this, but an idea of what um, the prisoners at uh, Pelican Bay and in all of these prisons throughout the state were dealing with in terms of why they were being subjected to the torture of solitary confinement. Prison focus and gang validation. As regular readers know, the CDC has been using a prisoner's receipt of some copies of prison focus as one of the three strikes needed to validate him or her as a gang member. In response to this practice, the following letter was sent to the CDC secretary, Matthew Kate, on August 17, 2010. California Prison Focus is a human rights organization that for nearly 20 years has monitored and educated the public about the treatment and living conditions of prisoners in California's secure housing units, SHOES. We publish a newsletter, Prison Focus, which we send to both prisoners and non-prisoners. Consistent with our mission, the newsletter contains information and opinions concerning prison conditions and issues. No material in our publication is related to gang activity, membership, or association, nor reasonably construable as such. Nor does any activity or communication of California prison focus have any connection to gangs. The summer 2008 issue of Prison Focus number 31 contained several stories about Black August or George Jackson. 
Subsequently, based on mere possession of that issue, a number of prisoners were validated as active gang members and sentenced to years in the shoe. At least one other was gang validated based on possession of a different issue of our newsletter. We denounce this use of our publication in the strongest terms and demand for every such prisoner, one, the rescission of his validation and shoe sentence, and two, immediate release back to general population. Mere possession of historical writings or commentary concerning George Jackson and Black August cannot constitute evidence of association with a gang. This is especially so with a periodical, where a recipient has no knowledge of the specific content of a given issue until it arrives in his hands. Furthermore, punishing a prisoner based on possession of such reading material flagrantly violates the freedom of expression. Our summer 2010 issue, very recently published, contains material about George Jackson. We expect the CDR's illegitimate use of prison focus as gang membership evidence will not be repeated. We appreciate your prompt reply. Please inform us of your decisions and actions on these urgent matters. The above letter was signed by CPF officers and a copy sent to the ACLU's prison project. We received the following reply from Anthony Chas, Assistant Secretary. This is in response to your letter dated August 17, 2010. Regarding your publication, Prison Focus, containing information on Black August and George Jackson, in your letter you expressed concern that a number of inmates have been validated as gang members, associates, and given segregated housing unit terms for mere possession of your publication, which contain the aforementioned subject matter. Prison gang activity and gang-related violence is a very serious problem within the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, CDCR. To suppress this activity by gang membership associates, it is imperative we identify and separate these individuals for the overall good of the general population. CDCR does not take the gang validation process lightly and have instituted a check and balance system to ensure inmates identified as prison gang members or associates are properly categorized. While your letter stated a number of inmates were given shoe terms for being in possession of your publication, this statement is not totally accurate. In order for an inmate to be validated as a prison gang member associate requires three independent source items. These source items may include self-admissions, tattoos and symbols, photographs, staff information, and quote, written material. Your publication, which included the article on Black August and George Jackson, would fall under the last category of written material and would be considered as one of the three independent source items needed to validate an individual. To further ensure we are accurate in our validation process, we require one of the source items to be a direct link to a current or former validated member of associate of the gang. Well, then what does it have to do with George Jackson? As I am sure you are aware, Black August was established by the Black Gorilla family to pay tribute to fallen comrades who have been killed. These comrades include George Jackson, founder of BGF, Jonathan Jackson, brother of George Jackson, and Jeffrey Golden, all killed in the month of August. BGF members are required to partake in the observance of Black August. The BGF also uses Black August as a time for training and the spreading of their ideologies and philosophies for the purpose of recruitment. If an inmate is suspected of being a member associate of the BGF and found in possession of written material containing information regarding Black August or George Jackson, it could be considered as one of the three independent source items needed for validation. As you mentioned in your letter, an inmate may not know in advance what will be contained in your publication. However, once the inmate becomes aware of its contents, he may choose to turn in the material, oh my God, or simply throw it away. Inmates will be held accountable for all items found in their possession or control. In your letter, you demand the rescission of the validation and shoe sentences of every inmate in which your publication was used in the validation process. You also demand the return of these same inmates to the general population. While CDCR appreciates you taking the time to address your concerns, we are unable to comply with either demand. CPS says, before any further action can be taken, we at CPF need to know what parts of this DOC's response was a lie. For example, was Black August created by the BGF? And even if it was created by the BGF, and we have the right to uh, educate ourselves and to, to listen to the ideologies and, um, and concept, philosophical, political, sociopolitical concepts of, um, of our people. Instead, 
they were being gang validated. And as you can see, they can be gang validated by, by tattoos and photographs. Um, and just in it, inter, uh, sorry, just by some association that who gets to claim the narrative? The CDCR and the state. And that is what we are here going to, uh, we are going to reclaim um, and, and learn about what has actually been taking place um, inside of our prisons. Okay, now I am going to read a letter from Mutope Duguma. His slave name is James Crawford. This was written in uh, for the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper entitled, We Are Willing to Sacrifice Ourselves to Change Our Conditions. This was written in November 16th of 2011. Okay, I probably need to give you some insight as to who and what you're dealing with if you don't already know. These people are professional liars and the mere dialogue between a prisoner advocate and Mrs. Terry Thornton, spokesperson for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, should tell you that the lady is wicked. She is the type of person who would pack up the family and friends and they will go off to a picnic associated with a lynching, kids and all. And there is a, um, a photograph here of that. Um, Mutope, a prisoner in the Pelican Bay Security Housing Unit, notorious as one of the America's worst prison hellholes, where the recent hunger strikes originated and spread to at least 13 prisons across California, suggests that CDCR spokesperson Terry Thornton is one of the, is the sort of person who might have taken her family for a picnic in the Piney Woods, where the entertainment was the lynching of a black man. This is the lynching of Reuben Stacy in 1935 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay, this is the dialogue Mutope is referring to. It was reported by the advocate in an email received by the Bayview on November 9th, which was printed and emailed, printed and mailed to him. I had the pleasure of speaking with Terry Thornton today. I asked why there was no public information about the prisoner who hung himself one to two weeks ago in ASU, the Administrative Segregation Unit at Pelican Bay. She went on to tell me about the prisoner who hung himself a month ago. I told her this was a recent death, and she started to ask me just how much I knew about it. I told her I know for certain that a nurse was present when a prisoner in ASU suddenly suffered mental health issues and screamed for help for several hours, and no one came to his aid, and this was serious and concerning that their agency is entrusted to care for the safety and well-being of thousands of prisoners. She went on to tell me that a sergeant died over the weekend, and why was I not more concerned about that? Is her life any less valuable than a prisoner? I told her that I was sorry for their loss. However, I am calling about a prisoner, not a staff member, who died from natural causes. She asked me if the prisoner was someone important. I was, what? She asked if he was like Charles Manson, someone well-known. I told her, what is she implying? That a prisoner's death is not important if he is not a household name? And I explained that several prisoners who knew this man are grieving his loss, and this prisoner's death impacted several, several prisoners' mental stability as they heard his cries for help for several hours before his death. And I'm sure the prisoner who hung himself had family, and we'd like to reach out to the family and offer them emotional support. She said, uh, she took down my information and said, they will look into this matter. She told me she will not be calling me back, because someone else probably will. In less than one month, two prisoners at Pelican Bay who had endured long-term isolation both hung themselves. I think this is something we have been advocating, that isolation not only creates mental health problems, but even suicide. I know that there was staff misconduct in this case, and that is why we are trying to cover it, and they are trying to cover it up. And my feeling is that we should not let them get away with covering up the death of this prisoner, who was just who was not just any prisoner, but was in fact considered a jailhouse lawyer by all the prisoners he had been helping. I'm not sure how others feel about this, but I think if there are any legal visits taking place, then a visit to Pelican Bay ASU should take place to interview the prisoners who were present so they could be questioned privately. Clearly, there was staff misconduct and they don't want the public to know about it. We are all aware of the two suicides and we've been trying to tell brothers and sisters or anyone who will listen that people have been dying and will continue to die, which is why we went on the hunger strike. We still got people dying right now and people think it's, dry, it's a drive-by struggle, which is far from the truth. 
We will continue to push forward united and committed to our cause to be liberated from these torture chambers. We have not benefited off none of our sacrifices to this day, yet we will expose the perpetrators constantly, no matter what the retaliation may be. CDCR and PBSP, Pelican Bay State Prison, took 15 of us to ASU H. Row and held us in freezing cold shell cells. On top of that, while we were subjected to this cruel and unusual punishment, the corrections officers, COs, and gang intelligence officers were trashing our property, including thermal tops, bottoms, cosmetics, food, political writings, legal material, and books. We lost this outright by criminal criminal acts by prison guards or officials who in retaliation decided to discard our personal property. We were denied adequate food once we came off the hunger strike, a very pathetic lunch in the morning and a very pathetic dinner, which was that same lunch. The prison officials in their attempt to discourage the hunger strikers deliberately made everyone suffer some kind of injustice simply because prisoners were expressing their first amendment rights peacefully, I might add. I can assure you their harsh treatment didn't discourage nobody because we all know what's at stake here and we're going to expose this criminal empire so that the people in this country can see that their prisons are run and controlled by criminals, savages who have a sick and demented mentality, which is why they have set up a prison system where they attack prisoners in a way to try and make them murder themselves by subjecting them to torture until they cannot take it no more. This is why you have two suicides in a short period of time. It's the treatment of prisoners that drives someone to disregard their own lives. Well, excuse my language, Mrs. Ratcliffe, but we, are all, but we all were willing to die in a hunger strike to get attention and changes to, be, to a flawed validation policy where prisoners are kept in solitary confinement indefinitely by fabricated tales by prison informants and officers. We are subjected to a diet that is designed to murder each and every one of us as time goes on, i.e. years. Because none of the food is nutritional or healing to one's body, one's body naturally will deteriorate, especially since many of us are up in age and we are not getting the calories, nor are we getting the nutritional value to keep us healthy. Why would the prison not allow us to purchase vitamins that will compensate for that which they have been able to, unable to provide? Why can't we buy green tea, a very healthy antioxidant? Why can't we buy tuna, our own peanut butter without diglycerides packed in it? Why can't we purchase chili peppers, jalapenos, etc. that's high in vitamin C, which we are denied? Why can't we purchase dark chocolate that's been proven to be very helpful for one's brain power? They don't feed us nothing but two items that's good for us, an apple and a banana. That's if they're not rotten or you may have to wait two to three days for it to get ripe. The ombudsman was here during the hunger strike, and when we came off the hunger strike, I asked her to try the breakfast. It was one boiled egg, one sausage the size of one's thumb, and some mush. And she tried the mush rice and said, it's inedible. But she didn't report it, which is how the green wall works. Plus, the food was disproportionately served. So, it's a lot of problems. We know that CDCR did not address the violation of long-term solitary confinement, which is in violation of national and international law. So we are truly committed to seeing this out, and we have no problem with sacrificing ourselves in order to change the conditions, just like the occupiers who were demonized, i.e. dehumanized, in order to justify the brutal treatment of them, as we've seen the pigs crack the skull of a Marine on national television. Mutope Duguma, a.k.a. James Crawford, has been reporting to Bayview readers on the hunger strike from the beginning. He is the writer of The Call, the formal announcement that alerted the world to this massive hunger strike. Shoe prisoners sentenced to civil death begin hunger strike. This hunger strike is far from over. Pelican Bay Shoe prisoners plan to resume hunger strike September 26. Greed drives solitary confinement torture. Hip-hop community support our hunger strike and retaliation at Pelican Bay, letters from the shoe. This letter was typed by Adrian McKinney, send, and we can't send our brother love to this address because he is no longer at Pelican Bay, thank goodness. But we will continue to hear from Mutope Daguma, and I will get that information for you shortly. All right, now I'm going to read a few uh, pieces of poetry from the year of 2011 
so much of it has to do, of course, with uh, Pelican Bay, the shoe, and whatnot. This is um, The Prison Game by Stephen James, who is at this time housed at Pelican Bay State Prison. Drab gray walls, cold steel cage, left 24 hours to build up rage. Voices scream when souls are lost, concrete walls cold like frost. Trapped and alone, blind to the outside, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Vindictive police chase cheap thrills, towers await, easy kills. Restricted space drives you insane, another victim of the prison game. Stephen James, PBSP. All right. This is called Shoe. I am brought before a committee of men. Insidious irony, subtle words of the pen. They smile in my face. They reach for my soul. Letting misery and solitude take their toll. Announcing their judgment with noses held high. The power they flaunt will make you sigh. I live in oppression. I live in a cage. With all of my anger building up to a rage. I have been given an indeterminate shoe. You ask what the... That means, you mean this is new? Averaging 23 hours a day in a cell, a windowless closet, a solitary hell. Sensory deprivation, a prison within a prison, creative insanity or inspiring vision. Living my life like a chaotic scream, someone please wake me from this horrible dream. Not wanting to give in, not wanting to die. If I were not a man, I would surely cry. I shall not feel the sun's warming ray, for I will be in Pelican Bay. Robert Perrin Sykes, High Desert State Prison. Then I'm going to read these walls. You don't move. You don't speak. You just sit there and mock me. You sit there laughing, knowing you hold me hostage confined to your dungeon's perimeter. You sit there a witness to my lonely nights, my helpless pleading cries set me free. You have come to know me as well as you could and see my everyday activities. You know my routine and you come to know how I am. You sit by and do nothing to heed my pleas, but what can you do? You have also been put here as a prisoner of your own rights. You sit there and see my dignity, vitality, valor, and courage to not be defeated within this confined space. You sit by and watch as I exercise, becoming strong, fit, day by day. You sit and watch as I read books on life, shapes, and form, mentally preparing myself for the challenges in the road ahead. You sit and watch as I laugh and interact with other human beings. You sit and watch day by day, minute by minute, second by second as I become triumphant to your atrocities, your injustices, and your degrading, dehumanizing ways. You are powerless to stop my path, my destiny, my future. You sit by as the mocker becomes the mocked. Bobby Viado, Kern Valley State Prison. That is our show. We will leave you with some music. I want to thank you for being here. And I encourage you to also listen to last week's show uh, or the weeks before. I think it took us five weeks to uh, get through the, the evil dehumanizing practice within the short corridor torture chamber written by Satawa Nantambu Jama'a and Mutope Duguma. Uh, it is it gives some incredible um, historical reference to um, why the hunger strikes were organized, um, along with what we just heard from Mutope Duguma here. And I also encourage you to please stay with us throughout the month of July. We will continue to bring more and more information from those uh, men that that organized. The strikes, these are our heroes. They are our elders and they need to come home. Most of them are still inside. Some of them come, will come, have come home. And we are going to continue to educate ourselves and uplift 
of this incredible historic um, action, peaceful action that ended indefinite solitary confinement, but yet these men are still being held captive. And it is our mission to make sure that we get them home. I love y'all. I will see you next week and um, get ready for Work Week with Steve Seltzer. Driving